Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, agency owner? If you're new here, I've got a free gift for you on how to scale your agency to multiple six and even seven figures and beyond by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself from the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is text the word FREEDOM to 720-792-8036. Again, that's 720-792-8036. Just text the word freedom and I'll send you the free gift on how to achieve freedom in your agency and life. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners? Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver, and today we're hanging out with Alex Burkett. Alex is co founder at Omniscient Digital, a content marketing and SEO agency focused on growing B2B SaaS companies. Previously, he worked on growth and experimentation at HubSpot, Workado, and CXL. One of the things that we'll be talking about today is how Alex was able to grow a seven-figure agency while working full-time. Uh, I always tell people that they should they should build the business up a little bit before they they jump ship. Uh, I think you guys built it up to uh, you, you built it up a lot a bit before you decided to uh, to jump ship. But well, Alex, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so uh, let's start with a little bit of the, the agent, kind of the, the founder journey of of um, of Omniscient. You and a, it sounds like a partner uh, started that business. It's kind of a side gig. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, so we have three co-founders now. We brought one on later. Um, so it was myself and uh, my my second co-founder, David Lee Kim. Uh, we both worked together at HubSpot. We started out on the same team, and both of us harbored entrepreneurial dreams since I think we were kids. Definitely for me, I think for David as well. And then we we got the inkling of an idea for the agency. Basically, we had these pipe dreams of like building a software company or doing something like, you know, wildly innovative in the tech space. But we came upon the opportunity when we were sitting down at a conference with my former boss at CXL, uh, Pep, and he was explaining how hard it is to hire a content marketer, how he's looking into these agencies. And David and I had already been doing freelancing on our own. So we kind of looked at each other and we're like, I think we could do this. <laughs> so that was sort of the impetus. And then we brought on Allie later on. She She's a phenomenal writer. She was um, actually one of our first freelance writers that we worked with. So David and I kind of carved out the beginnings for the first six months to a year and then brought on Allie once we saw uh, the quality of her work and how sharp she was. So why is uh, why is it hard to hire a content marketing agency? I mean, I, I can probably make up some of my own thoughts there. <laughs> but what's what's the what was what was leading you guys to that being like a big why? There's many reasons for it. I think one one reason is it's so um, commoditized to a certain extent. So like content content is hard to do if you're in a specialized niche. So I think for Pep and for CXL it was very difficult because they're speaking to technical audiences. Um, the people who are reading it um, have some level of knowledge around analytics, Navy testing, and all those things they write about. So if you hire a sort of generic content agency, it's very difficult to bridge that knowledge gap between somebody who's writing and researching and maybe looking at other Google search results and the person who's going to read that. And hopefully, you know, that content's supposed to provoke trust. So it's very difficult to hire for that. And then when you do, it's very expensive. So there's there's sort of a problem in terms of like either affordability 
or you, you basically have to choose like if it's going to be affordable or if it's going to like be as technical or as as high quality as you would like it to be. So, which do you do you make it easier and less expensive or do you just make it easier? <laughs> We're probably in the more expensive end of things. We are working on internal um, processes to make it easier for us to bridge that gap as well. We're building out sort of a subject matter expert database. We chose to specialize in B2B SaaS, um, specifically in MarTech and data products uh, we, we tend to work with. So we've built a cumulative list of people that we can reach out to for interviews, for quotes. We've built internal processes for how we work with the client to get their expertise on paper while we're writing the articles. Because otherwise, it's a pretty bespoke process, right? Like each individual client has their own nuances. But we've sort of built a framework as to like how we get those insights out and on the page in a way that it's also going to rank, you know, for the keywords they're going after if it's search, search-driven content as well. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to tell you about one of my favorite white label partners, E2M. They can help with all your website design, web development, SEO, and content needs for your client projects. This includes WordPress, WooCommerce, Shopify, BigCommerce, Webflow, Duda, SiteGlide, custom PHP applications, and much more. Have peace of mind when it comes to your outsourcing needs. Let E2M become an extension of your team so you can grow and scale how you want. Check them out today at e2msolutions.com. That's E, the number two, M, solutions.com. All right, back to our show. I'd love to talk a little bit about the uh, the momentum that you built in the agency prior to kind of jumping in full-time. I mean, I mean, first of all, interesting that you... So you're at HubSpot, you're freelance writing or freelance content kind of producing on, on the side. Like, what, what does that look like? I was doing a little freelance writing. I was also doing freelance conversion rate optimization consulting. So that's more of my background. I come from like a growth, CRO, experimentation, more analytical side of things. And I think David was writing too. I think he was also doing a little growth consulting. So we were hodgepodge a little bit all over the place. Um, but we were definitely both contributing content, contributing articles to other blogs at the time. And so... Like, does that mean you're working full time and then, you know, working nights and weekends? Or are you taking time off to like do client work? Is it like on your lunch break? I'm always kind of curious, right? Because I've never <laughs> like, I've never, I've always had like the full time like business that's absorbed my entire life, right? There's that, it's always like, hmm, to like, to like moonlight, what would this look like, right? We would literally be like moonlighting, right? It'd be like, okay, between like 10 p.m. and like, you know, midnight. 100%. We, we did not have a lot of free weekends for a long Got time. It. So with the freelance writing and stuff, you can you can slot that in a little bit easier. You don't have as long of retainers. You're actually not on, on the line as much because it's not as expensive. Like if I'm going to write for a company... Like I used to write for Client Boost a little bit and they'd pay me like a per article fee. So there's not as much responsibility there. You can kind of take like a week or two or you know say, Hey, I had some stuff come up at HubSpot. I'm going to have to like wait until the end of the month. It's way different with clients because um, we were transparent and would say like, "Hey, we work full time jobs. This is you know our side project right now, but we're going to give you our full attention and, and get deliverables in on time." So honestly, it was a lot of nights and weekends. Like I don't mm. think I had a free Saturday for for months and months. And at the beginning, it was nice because we could sort of titrate how many clients we took in, and we could really grow slowly. We didn't we didn't need to like overburden ourselves. But towards the end, towards the past six months uh, before we jumped in full time. They reach this point where we're like, something's got to break. You know, like we've either got to do this agency full time or we've got to scale back and just keep this like very small and like a side hustle and keep going with our full time jobs. And we, you know, obviously chose to jump in full time. So, was that, um, did you both kind of 
give your two weeks around the same time? Or were, did one of you say, I'm done, I'm just going in full time first? <laughs> we, we, we tried to plan it in that way. We tried to basically like um, stagger our approach just so we could like economically. So we didn't like all jump in. We had three founders. We didn't all want to like jump in at the same time in case we sunk the ship. Because we weren't really paying ourselves salaries before then. And, you know, being full time, we wanted to pay ourselves something. So I jumped in first. I think David jumped in one month after. And then Ali, our third co founder, jumped in the month after that. <laughs> we had a lucky spree where we got a lot of new clients during that timeline too. So it felt a lot safer. And quite frankly, I think psychologically, like that was the biggest thing holding us back. I think we could have probably jumped in, uh, you know, financially. I think we could have done, done so sooner. So I think we actually were a little, you know, almost risk averse uh, by the mm. time we jumped in. Did, did you each kind of end up taking a pay cut by going full time in the business? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully, eventually, we grow. I mean, that gives us an incentive to keep growing, right? Because hopefully, eventually, we reach parity with, with what we were making at our, at our tech jobs. But yeah, it's like we want to, um, you know, pay ourselves something that we can live on, but we're really ambitious towards the long term trajectory. So we want to be able to basically reinvest back in the business. And then once we're in a really safe and and you know more, we have more of a cushion, then it'd be nice to like get back up to that level where we were before. But yeah, I mean, the last couple of months, I've, I've started to look at my budget. I'm like, all right, do I need that? Like <laughs> Disney Plus? I also have Netflix. Like, <laughs> you know, we're all kind of going through our personal exercises. Yeah, and then you whittle it down to just Amazon Prime, right? That's the that's you know <laughs> yeah. we gotta gotta have that for the two day shipping anyways. So maybe everything else gets uh, gets gets chucked out. Um, You'd be shocked how many like uh, superfluous and just like you know, like fluffy, soft, like purchases and subscriptions you make. And then once you actually look and audit, you're like, wow, I, I don't even use half of this stuff. <laughs> so, so what, um, so, so three, three founders full time in the business, which is, uh, is probably almost even its own, own topic in and of itself. Um, what, what, who else do you have that's, that's full time in the business? Is it just the three founders or do you have full time content writers or content producers? We have five more full-time employees and three part-time employees in addition to that. And then we work with a ton of freelance writers. So we started out... Um, I don't think we hired anybody full-time for a long time. I think we worked mostly with freelance writers. And that's still the bulk of what we do because we try to get... primary. I mean, they may not be subject matter experts or practitioners themselves. But typically, we get people who are focused on a given niche. So if a writer has written for data companies before or for email marketing software companies before, we try to work with them to bridge that knowledge gap. But the rest of the team now, um, we're eight full-time, including founders, three part-time. We've got an SEO and content strategy manager, Glenn. We've got um, Carissa working in-house. So for our marketing initiatives, we do a podcast and we do an event series, plus blogging and sort of content on our own. And then we have a, a managing editor, a full-time content writer, and a full-time copy editor. Um, and we're building that out still. Like we're going to be hiring more um, SEO and content strategists, uh, basically to facilitate like greater capacity for more clients. Hopefully, we're going to keep growing. Uh, but that's the team now. And you mentioned your 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 uh, your core market is B two B SaaS, you know, marketing uh, tech companies. What would be kind of the range of of retainers? I mean, I assume it's mostly a retainer model for you all. Yeah, totally. So it, it depends on the scope, obviously. Um, we're, we're typically going to start out with the content strategy package. That'll usually be a bunch of research, content gap analysis, figuring out the plan, figuring out how they're going to win and what the approach is, whether we're going to index on SEO, whether it's going to be thought leadership, brand awareness stuff. And that's around you know, $15,000, $20,000. 
And then basically, it's a choose your own adventure from there uh, based on like how many content pieces they want produced per month, what kind of promotion, if there's link building, content repurposing, any sort of, you know, like ebooks and all that stuff. And, and I would say like an average engagement is somewhere around $12,000, $15,000 a month. Some more, some less, but probably average numbers there. Yeah. So not like, uh, hey, I want to get two blog posts on my website for 500 bucks a month kind of packages. I mean, this is, this is like serious B2B SaaS companies. They probably are either funded or post revenue. They have an established business. They're looking to get to get serious about their content. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, get, getting serious about their content. Like they, we don't, we don't want to be in a place where we have to convince them of the value of content. We just want to convince them that we're the right partner for the job. If we are, and I would say like we've we've had not hiccups, but we've learned about like our target market along the way. And actually, building it on the side gave us the patience and ability to choose who we worked with because we've had a lot of clients who are like, "Can you do cheaper content? We don't care if it's as high quality. Can you do it for this price range? If you take the strategy out." Uh, we used to work with D 2 C clients. We found that wasn't a great fit because the time windows people expected results. You know, everybody's funneling like a bunch of paid acquisition out, and, like, you know, two two four four week turnarounds, whereas content's a much longer investment. So we've learned a lot of that stuff along the way, including um, we used to work with like smaller teams who were maybe like seed or like pre Series A, and it'd be the founder working with us, and it's like actually that's probably too early. So we, we've learned a lot about what companies and what stages we work best with. And it's typically when they've got like good product market fit, they've raised a little bit or they're bootstrapped to a certain revenue amount and they're ready to just like start scaling. Like they know yeah. content's going to be a channel and they just want to like amp it up. You said that when you have to work with a founder, it's too early. Is that from like a financial sustainability thing or is it the nature that the founders too spread thin to like really leverage a team like yourself in, in the way that you need it to be done? Definitely too spread thin, although I'm sure there's exceptions. There's founders who understand content probably at the level or above what we do, and they may be good to work with, right? Like maybe they just need to augment their production capacities or like build links or something like that. But typically in the past, it's been more the case that the founder is also simultaneously trying to hire a bunch of people, do customer success and support, raise money, tons of other stuff. And it's like they shouldn't be rolling up their sleeves and like editing commas and M dashes in the introduction of blog posts. <laughs> so we end up like spending a lot of time on the feedback stage. Things end up being slower than they should be. And you know, the propensity from the for them to rank content and actually get results early on is usually not there because they're a little too early stage if it's just the founder working on it. And it really helps to have somebody who's dedicated to marketing or content specifically, but at least a marketer who can translate from the internal side, what the business strategy is to best use the agency. So with, um, you know, we use this word content, but I have heard you say a lot of things around blog posts, writers, as well as SEO is, is the, I mean, I get the impression that in terms of content that you're developing, it's it's mostly the written word, organic SEO driven as as kind of a main, a main channel, or are you also producing you know, social media, kind of multimedia content or video content um, on top of the core written content? The centerpiece is the blog and everything maps back to what their business strategy is or, or really their marketing strategy. So if we decide that's going to be to like generate pipeline, to generate product users, it's going to be centralized on the blog because we want to eventually drive website traffic where we can track that stuff. We do a little bit of content repurposing. I would not say we're specialized in social media by any means, but if we're doing a little bit more contrarian, thought leadership, any sort of higher level content that we can't map exactly to a keyword, 
we may end up repurposing that into Twitter threads, LinkedIn posts, audio and videograms if we're doing interviews. But that's more of a distribution tactic for the to get them to the content that we're producing in the blog. Gotcha. So very blog focused. So so one of the things um, you've also brought up today is like SEO. Uh, so are you coming to the table and in, in developing that SEO strategy, or is it more like, hey, we're going to write great content. It's going to be SEO optimized, you know, but we're not going to be actually be you know a, a full time SEO firm for you. Yeah, we come up with the SEO strategy. We do light technical SEO, but I would say like in terms of like if you if you have like tens to hundreds of thousands of pages, this is mostly the case in like e-commerce. We're probably not the agency for you. We're going to be more of a content focused SEO agency or an SEO focused content agency, whatever way you want to put that. But we'll develop the plan, the roadmap. It's going to be mapped out to keywords, topics, clusters. And essentially, we're going to index on the strengths of your company. So if you are a company in the HubSpot stage, you've got a bunch of bottom funnel keywords that you've just been ignoring. Well, we can take those and basically cluster those and say, we can basically print money if we just you know start writing these. In other cases, they're going to be much earlier stage. The market's going to be less educated. So we're like, all right, well, there's fewer keywords overall. And you're probably not going to rank for those because you're not competitive yet. So then we'll we'll map out a strategy that says we need to get some attention. So let's let's build some thought leadership. Let's index more on that kind of like socially viable content simultaneously while building out some of these bottom funnel keywords that eventually are going to you know generate leads. So we we come in at the strategic stage, but it's focused on content and SEO is is really it's it's both like a data point and a distribution channel for us to reach those goals. That's awesome. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to let you know about a hosting platform that is giving digital agencies and creators around the world an edge when it comes to site speed, scalability, and profit. It's called Cloudways, and it's designed to create exceptional experiences for you and your clients that guarantees unmatched performance, reliability, and choice with 24-7 award-winning support. Cloudways is excited to offer our listeners a $50 hosting credit in addition to their amazing benefits of their agency partner program. For more details, head over to yougurus.com slash cloudways or use promo code DASCW when signing up. Let's get back to our show. You mentioned earlier, uh, you know, the business is structured around, you had two founders at first and then there was three co-founders. Um, how have you structured like ownership broadly? Like, are you all equal partners in the business? Is it how do you how do you make decisions when there's kind of three heads of state? It's been easier than I would have expected. I think because we all have the same goals, but we all have distinct working styles. We we all own the same percentage of the business, which I've heard people suggest you shouldn't because there should be like one person who like has the final say. But we really we I think we respectfully debate and we love debate. So we do weekly calls uh, with just the founders every Friday for an hour, um, somewhat structured, but also giving a lot of time just to you know loosely engage in ideation and brainstorming and debate. And I think we usually come to the table and agree on sort of a direction, or at least give somebody who wants to take a different path like some some leeway to experiment with that. But we do we we kind of like you know it's a startup, so we do a little bit of everything. But I think we've got domain expertise for each of us. Right. Like, so myself, like, I'm very much like the sales, marketing. I go on podcasts. I do our own podcasts. You know, I host the events, write the blog posts, make sure that we're found and in the conversations. David is very much an operationally focused uh, founder. So he's running automations. He's figuring out if we're, we're, you know, making enough money and our margins are good enough. If we need to hire next month, if we need to hire next year. And then Ali is, is definitely the client services, um, chief. She's very good at delivering product, making sure our writers are um, 
doing their jobs, hitting deliverables, and the clients are happy. So obviously there's crossover, like I'll work with clients from time to time, but that's not my main thing. David's gonna, you know, jump up, jump in on sales from time to time. But I think we've got pretty good swim lanes, um, even at this early stage. Yeah, it sounds like it. I always think like like the uh the equal ownership, it's like it's like easy, easy on the front, hard on the back, you know? And yeah. then like not equal ownership is hard on the front, but easier on the back, right? You 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 end up like you know, you kind of know like who's who at the end of the day is going to like have that responsibility of of CEO or, you know, I mean, I think at some point businesses usually need that. It's hard to, you know, consensus build. But, um, but yeah, I think it's, it's like, you know, let's see how it, how it plays out, right? The, the triumvirate, right? Uh, we'll figure it that. out. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll keep checking in with you, Alex. And we'll, we'll keep having you guys come on, come back on the show and, and see, uh, see, see how it goes. Right. Um, I, 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 I mean, I love it. Right. I mean, I, I think having more leadership early on in an agency is, um, can be a huge asset. Right. Cause I think one of the things that, that probably is starved from a lot of agencies early on is not having enough diverse leadership. You get somebody who's maybe, you know, they they start an agency and maybe they're more into the work, right? They kind of lean towards client services. So in that agency, right, what ends up happening is like nobody's out there doing marketing and sales, right? They kind of hate doing sales. And so it's like they're they're always struggling to grow the business, right? Or or maybe they're the agency that has a strong marketing and sales background, but then, you know, they can't keep clients or their project management or their you know, they're short-circuiting discovery processes and they're selling stuff for 100K when it really should be 400K, right? I mean, those are those are kind of the, the pros and cons, right? But I think that it sounds like you've got a really good natural dispersion between sales and marketing operations and, and client fulfillment. So um, there's also a push and pull between like how fast we want to move. So sometimes like I move too fast and, and you know, sometimes David will pull me back and say, actually, hey, we need to like slow down a little bit. So I think those debates have actually helped us grow in a much healthier fashion. And then also there's the psychological benefits. Like if you own the agency outright, you're going to make more money, maybe, you know, like you're, you're going to own more of it anyway. I don't know if you can grow farther. <laughs> um, hopefully we can grow bigger because we've got multiple kind of like heads running this. But I think psychologically, it would be lonely, you know, without without the founders. Like we can bounce ideas off of each other. We can sort of like pump each other up when we need that. You know, if somebody's having a bad day or a bad week, like we can get on a call and actually like say, "Hey, you're good." You know, like yeah. I, I think that benefit has been huge, especially because we're remote. And especially, I mean, the pandemic's been weird for everybody, but having co-conspirators, having yeah. uh, comrades in this has been has been awesome. Yeah, I had a business partner for twenty years, and it was. Like when it was great, it was it was amazing, um, you know. And and it, it's like, yeah, it, it's like maintaining some kind of marriage, right? I mean, you just got to you have to constantly be investing in that those relationships. I mean, there's there's the re- results and the performance of the business that obviously has to be there. But then it's like it's like when when times aren't good, the effort that you put into the relationships that you have, you know, the relationship that you have with your partner with your co-founders, like when when times aren't good is when that you know that you're going to get that dividend, you know? Um, whereas if you're, you know, if you skim a little bit and you're like not doing the relationship and the business is going great, it's like, oh man, this is awesome, right? And you're not putting those times in whether it's, you know, those Zoom chats or those dinners or whatever, you know, and then things swing down for a little bit, right? I mean, that's when when tensions, I think, get high and you're like, oh man, we weren't investing in the relationship maybe, you know, when we should have the last six months and now like push came to shove and it's like, you know, things get a little squirrely and, and I mean, I think for for me personally, you know, and and I, I'm I'm wishing you guys best of luck. 
you know, for me over 20 years, right? We had those seasons, right? Came in and out of season. And, you know, after 20 years, I mean, all partnerships come to an end. So we had to, we had to kind of high five and go our separate ways. But um, I love hearing the story on the front end of this, this partnership. Sounds like you all have amazing experience coming from HubSpot and other B2B uh, SaaS businesses. Love seeing the focus in that area. There's a lot of money in tech. I'm sure you all are going to be very successful uh, in tech and tech needs content. And there's a lot of there's a lot of search traffic for tech. So you got a big market, you got a big blue ocean, and um, I hope that you all have, have an amazing time. Alex, do you have time to stick around for our lightning round? Yeah, absolutely. What is the best advice you've ever received? Advice is tough. I think advice is so contextual and um, it's hard to like universally apply something. So if I could, uh, this is maybe a little esoteric and this is not as rapid fire as you'd want. But uh, when I was a freshman in college, I studied... I was a music major. I switched. I wasn't very good at music. But I remember I was in the percussion ensemble and a bunch of us came out and all of our equipment was scattered all over the place. Marimbas everywhere. Like It was very disorganized. And I remember our percussion instructor told us, Lay claim to your universe. This is your space. You <laughs> come out and respect it. And I, I think I've applied that in many ways. It's like when you're unhappy in a circumstance, when you relegate yourself as like, you know, being a passive observer of your situation, I always think like, no, this, this is my universe. I can, I, let me lay claim to this and like set things up the way I want it to. So like when we're doing things at the agency, it's like, um, if we're not having fun, you know, we, we start to question that. We're like, how can we make this fun? So anyway, I think um, it's a good reminder that you have agency and a choice in most things, in many things. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? I think I'm resilient. And I think I have... Um, it, it's not like... It's, I'm very optimistic. Um, so I think I push through. I think I, um, I'm very good at pushing through and, and maintaining like big dreams. Can you share a tool or app that you use regularly that you think our listeners would find valuable? There's a ton that your listeners probably already know of, but I want to just mention that Jasper and AI copywriting tools, I wasn't sold on them, but then the last two or three weeks, I've gotten super into them. You can write love letters, you can write poems, you can write articles. I mean, it just takes a little bit of training on the platform, like understanding how it works and how to give commands, but like AI copywriters are pretty cool. And what book would you recommend and why? I would recommend Nassim Taleb's Anti-Fragile. Um, really, his whole series, uh, the Incerto that he wrote about risk and probabilities. But Anti-Fragile has influenced how I look at day-to-day risk, how I look... like If I'm deciding on like taking a supplement or, or engaging in a weightlifting routine, I think about the principles and frameworks he described there. It influences how I look at content marketing portfolios. When I was working in experimentation, how I looked at like how to set up like a roadmap for experiments. It influenced so many areas of my life. It's dense, but I think it's widely applicable. Huge fan of that book. Great recommendation. We will make sure to link out to Antifragile as well as jasper.ai on our show notes page at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. So check out those uh, that are show notes and you're going to get lots of key takeaways, nuggets, insights from today's episode. Alex, how can our audience learn more about you. Is there anything that you have they can check out? Beomniscient.com. We've got a blog. We've got a podcast. We've got a webinar series. We run two a month. So you can find all that information there. And if you just want to like follow me on Twitter, that's probably where I'm most active. It's um, I am Alex Burkett. Like I am Alex Burkett. So that's, that's probably where I'm most accessible. Very cool. We will link out to your Twitter. We will link out to your blog as well as Beomniscient.com. 
and those book and tool recommendations at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. If you're listening to this week of, you'll see a photo of Alex right up the top. Click on Alex and you'll have all those key takeaways, nuggets, links, all that good stuff. So you can get some new Twitter followers, uh, new super fans, as well as folks can check out your agency and all the great things you're doing at Omniscient. Alex, thanks for stopping at the program today. Cool. Thank you so much. This was awesome. And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want this free gift all about how to scale to six and seven figures and beyond in your agency, just text the word FREEDOM to 720-792-8036. That's the word FREEDOM to 720-792-8036. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver.